But some, yeah, some sometimes, and sometimes it's what you need. Oh, welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode twenty-one dash Pernell. Where am I? Where are my notes? Where are my notes? Did Pernell? you actually forget the number? I did. You actually just made a joke about how it was twenty-one dash five. Twenty-one dash five. I was gonna say six. Yeah, because that was also related to the joke, but. This one is dash five. I, this is twenty one dash five of Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast where we listen to great video game music of the past and the present, and we talk about it with each other. You also said frithem. Frithem. <laughs> you totally said frithem and pixels. I am doing great tonight. Hey, you didn't even say your name. No one's gonna know you are. Oh, uh, my name is Purnell, and I'm Mixic Picklet. Mixix Master? Yeah, the Mrs. Picklet. Mick, oh. I never asked he was able to properly pronounce that guy's name. He's the... Oh, that's the guy from Super, Superman. Superman. Oh, my God. I thought I was the tired one here. I think we need to flip that. I'm super tired. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Yeah, but he's the dude from Superman. Yes. Mixix. Oh, um, uh, Mixix Master. Mix, Mixix Picklet. Mixel pix, Mixel pix. None of us know it. None of this is not good content. No, it is not. Um, so this is a podcast where Pernell and I listen to great video game music, and we choose a topic. We, we talk about the music, the composers, the the games, and this week is our year, uh, our decade in review. Yeah, it's the one only one we'll probably ever do unless our, we start doing like video games of the seventies. Our decade, a decade in games. It'll in review, a- the only important part of the past decade. Admittedly, that would be a pretty sad episode. Oh, I know. Seventies. What? I- well, well, if you want to, if you want to get into that, go check out. There's a podcast called Retro Knots, and they're doing a, a, a full decade in review where they cover 1970 specifically that year, 1980, 1990, 2000. But they're not covering the music because the music from the games in the seventies is literally just blips and bloops. Yeah, exactly. They're just covering the the, the games. Yeah. yeah, in 1970, there was like what? I think there was a space war. Maybe. Or a space battle. Yeah, that's what. On yeah, the mainframe? I forget. Yeah, they drafted a bunch of kids to fight it. They, <laughs> they got to fight our space wars. <laughs> they trained them on Star. It was a Star Defender? Yeah, oh my gosh. It was the last Starfighter. That's right. See, I know the movie. I want to watch that again. That's on the Disney thing. The, the Disney, Disney streaming thing. thing. I have canceled Netflix. Why? Because I wasn't really watching it. And I'm going to cancel Hulu. Because I'm going to spend more time with my family. No, I'm going to play more board games. That's the, Well, I guess you have, a, <laughs> you have a wife, so you always have a player two in the house. No, that player doesn't two. make it possible. Um, no, we're just going to watch less TV is all. That's that's the plan. Not a bad i got to fix my microphone here. Hold on. There we go. All right. So, Pernell, how was it for you picking out your favorite games and music tracks of the past 10 years? Well... I focus on games, and the music came later, so the music wasn't hard to find at all, except for one of them. But the games were surprisingly easy to do, which honestly kind of makes me wonder how true the statement will actually be for them. But in the end, I have to accept that they come from the gut. It has to be legit. And the reason for something being a favorite can be whatever reason that person hmm. denotes as being important. Oh, one hundred percent. Did you did do you have like criteria for all of your tracks to like to like a threshold, or was there like something really specific about each one? Just specificity. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a word, but I just 
kind of it just kind of clicked like this belongs here. It sounds like a word, and I could describe why to an extent. Mm. And I can tell you flat out right now a few things. One, an avid listener of the show that knows who I am in that sense okay. will probably know every track, not every track, but every game somebody. I'm going to choose. I'll think you're calling somebody out like specifically. You let you heard me, Jim Watkins. Oh, name I made oh, up. you know who you are. Not like, not like you'll know, you'll pretty much know these games oh, okay. as they come up, just because. Well, clearly, Pernod. Well, like yeah, that. I mean, we've only been doing the show for like what four years, so we've been playing the music that we from games that we already like, mm-hmm. right? So, so they're going to be a mig- amongst that bunch. It will be among them, and then from there it was just okay, pick a track from this game, and I just, anything will do as long as the music is good in the game. So yeah. A done and done deal. Done and dusted. What so, about you? Because I'm assuming you've played like four games in the yeah, last decade. In the last so, ten. I, well, no. <laughs> All right, I'll give you credit. Ten. I play, That's one I, game a year. Maybe ten. Yeah, one game a year, I would say. Sometimes two. Final Fantasy ten covered five of those years. Well, ten came out before... Two, no, well before the decade. Well before the decade. But you so. were still playing. But, okay, how many years of the last decade... Was I playing Enter the Gungeon? Actually, that's a good point. That is a good point, right? You were already living here when that happened, so at least 2018 is when you started. Mm. I think um, you were playing on PS4, so it had to be when the PS4 version came out. Yeah, but I was playing on the on the PC first. Really? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea how long I've been playing. I don't because I didn't remember you. I've been keeping it a secret from everyone. Uh-oh. <laughs> that way you couldn't get that. That's why we couldn't have that intervention for your gungeon addiction. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start off our episode with that. How, how do you like that? Wait, no, we can't. This is a, this is a, this is a. I'm an oddball and this is my episode. This is not a six. So we should, we should say then um, that next week's episode is 21 six. It is a Patreon exclusive. What's well, a Patreon recorded episode. So mm-hmm. we will be recording that episode live over a live stream exclusively for our Patreon members, and this will be on a Wednesday. Dun, dun, dun. Wednesday. Rob is on the journey on Thursday. I am on a journey on Thursday, so that means that the stream is on the 29th of January, 2020. Watch out, y'all. Watch out, y'all. And what's the topic? It's going to be your favorite things. It's pretty much games of the decade. It's, it's yeah, amazing. It came up. <laughs> it was asked in the Rhythm and Pixels Discord chat, and I genuinely forgot which one of the two I actually said, and I conflated it with mm. us doing decade in year. So in the end, I just said, give me your favorite tracks. Yeah, let's do it. Bring it. You said bring it. Or maybe we're sorry, not favorite tracks. Bring, give us your favorite games. The track is secondary. It's the right. game that matters. Mm. So... It's going to be interesting to see how many people are like, this is my favorite game ever. This is my favorite game of the decade. This we're is gonna, my favorite yeah. game I played today. I think we're going to get some of those. Some people are going to say, like, this is my favorite game all time, like, period, full stop, donezo. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to hear that. Are you going to have any of those? Are you gonna, waka Waka. We're going to have, you know, Kermies. You know. Are we, are we going to have any of those from you? Any, yeah. any, any like, number ones? Hands, all minor decade. Hands down. No, no, I, I don't think I can do that. Past ten years, the can, rest of the games can go. I can never do that. That's, no. that's too specific for too wide a dearth of games. Okay. I can never do that. I'm impressed. I'm I'm continually impressed. With what? This pen is yours. I got it from you. <laughs> I stole it from work. There you go. You're <laughs> impressed with a stolen pen. <laughs> All right, so this is the odd-numbered episode. Pernell, um, are you going to go in any kind of order, or are you just going to go for it? Order-ish, I guess. Okay. So, first track is going to come from 
uh, the game Dark Souls. And the track title oh. is just... I'm going to go with this one, I guess. The Bed of Chaos. And the composer, which I always forget until I have to research it, right. is Motoi Sakuraba. That's right. None of this music sounds like anything he'd ever done. Now, I, re- I know, but I remember uh, way back when we had an episode where it was, I think it was boss music, and it was mo- it was the it was the final boss to uh, Dark Souls, and it was this piano music that was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this cannot be the final boss music to a Dark Souls game. Oh, but it is. It was amazing. But it is. So, yes. Sombering. <laughs> it was sobering. That's what it was, because it was not what well, I expected. Well, the game is sobering. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so Matoy Sakuraba, The Bed of Chaos. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs>
the sinister. Bob. Bob. Wow. Bob. Tell you. Well, before I tell you, I will just say welcome back. You're listening to, or we're listening to, the Bed of Chaos theme from the game Dark Souls, composed by Motui Sakuraba and released on the PlayStation 3 on October 4th, 2011. Now, I, well, first of all, I think it's kind of hilarious how there are, every track in this game, boss-wise, is generally at some point has some sort of course that goes on where someone's going, bah, like, wait, I don't understand. So that the, the voices, all, all the chanting, all the, all the songs, they generally have like some sound like, oh, or like operatic. I call it like, operatic dread. Like all the music <sighs> in this game is meant to like, make you feel very anxious. And yeah. Tense. Well, I mean, listen to this, like that, yeah, that harp, under any other context would be like a fun magical Christmas song you know <laughs> not here though here's a freaking nightmare but like there's so much other noise there's that timpani halfway through uh, it was relentless it was just wouldn't stop this game is a it, it's a trip so, so so why why this song well I just the song is not so much the the, the mick kick here because honestly I was having difficulty picking any particular track the closest other one I was going to pick was probably the Taurus theme and demon theme mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. that's like the first real boss you fight the one you fight in the cathedral is not a real boss he's kind of just like a this is Dark Souls but <gasps> then the Taurus theme is like this is the real game throwing shade on those Dark Souls deep no, he, he really is just kind of <laughs> like a like a. This is getting you started, but not the real McCoy. Mm-hmm. But Dark Souls had to get picked by me, one because it is a game franchise that catered to a gameplay style that at this time was very lacking That's in right. the market. So we had like yeah. Devil May Cry three, which was a PS two game, which was difficult, and that got lauded hardcore for that. But aside from that. And Ninja Gaiden 1, the re-released series, there were very few hard because we like hard, so here, have this title challenging game. And this title shows up. Wasn't Dark Souls the second game in that that kind of franchise? The first one was was called Demon Souls, right? Demon Souls was the first, Mm -hmm. but... uh, I still follow that whole, like, kind of, you're going to die really quickly, a lot of dodging kind of... Kind of gameplay, right? It carried a ton of similarities, including the whole death and rebirth thing. How mm-hmm. you come out as a spirit. It's right, just, right, right, right. They, part of me thinks that they stuck with Dark Souls labeling because Dark Souls One is when the French, when those styles of games actually took off and got a following. So he's like, we better just keep the naming structure yeah, yeah. to keep that audience coming back. But I read about that uh, actually pretty recently. How like Demon Souls slowly gained its own kind of popularity, but like everyone was like, no. Because yeah, it, it came out at a time like when everyone like this style of game wasn't a thing. Yeah, when I bought this game, it was niche, and when mm. Demon Souls came out, it was extremely niche. Yeah, like yeah, no yeah. one was playing this or talking about it, and then one day, it exploded. Would you? Okay, hear me out. I'm going. I'm going to make a huge broad statement here, but I think that the popularity of these games is because of YouTube and Twitch streaming, or at least I'm going to say it no. propelled it. No. I could say that it helped it later, but I feel like Dark Souls got popular before Twitch became big. Hmm. Like, I don't get me wrong, I didn't follow it from Inception, so I don't know when Twitch itself truly spiked, but I do believe that 
Twitch wasn't as big as it could be to the point where I was going to start influencing things right. by the time Dark Souls picked up. Right. But I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the word of mouth bit. Maybe they started out with like bragging rights for some people. Yeah, I always feel other like... Other people just kind of talked up. Because sometimes uh-huh. it wasn't just that, but I think eventually a lot of people just talk up this style of game, like the atmosphere that the game provides, like this right, is worth right. diving into. But uh, the other reason why I had to pick this game, aside from it being a title that catered to like interests that I had that weren't being addressed in the hobby, is the fact that Dark Souls and Demon Souls, gotta give it credit, um, sparked an entire style of gameplay that up until this point didn't exist. And now you have companies still aping it, not in a negative way, mind you, but they're aping it yeah. to make their own versions of this style of game. You have reviewers saying something is Souls-like. Like, that became <laughs> a thing. It's the Dark Souls of blank. Everything's the Dark Souls of something. Yeah. So, that what was what was the Dark Souls of something but before Dark Souls existed? It didn't exist. That concept wasn't a thing. So, it created an entire style of gameplay that people, like other companies, want to utilize to their advantage. Mm-hmm. It created an entire nomenclature of games, or for games of game descriptions, like "Hey, these are the Souls Souls types game, Souls types game, Souls like Souls like Souls type Souls 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 Bowls. Everybody's a Soul type game." Right. Point is, before this, that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. After this, it became a thing. Yeah. And they just released the remaster of the first game like two years ago, and it still plays very well. Like it's. Then it hasn't missed a beat, and I still personally think the first game is the best of the trio. Hmm. So, I mean, Dark Souls is where it's at, and it's the only Dark Souls game that I actually finished. Like, I've played 1, 2, and 3. 1 is the only one where I was like, I'm going to play this whole thing through, and I played it without summoning help back then. Now, I can't see myself playing it without summoning help because the game is just more fun that way for me. But back then, I was doing the whole, I don't need help. I can beat it by myself. I don't need anybody. I'm an island. That's right. That's why I was pulling. But now I'm like, hard mode, nightmare mode. Summoning people is fun. And Mm -hmm. once I learned how to sell the game's concept of summoning friends in, I was able to like, you know, this game's hard, but if it gets, it's the easy way to practice. When you start, when you're having trouble with the game, let yourself die, be a spirit, and let other people summon you. You get practice in other people's worlds, failing over and over again (laughs) till you get it right. And since all the experience stacks up, that's what like our friend Matt did. He just made a super Hulk soldier from helping other people in their games. And when it was time for him to play, he was just jacked up. So all of a sudden, it wasn't all that much of a challenge for him. So the the, the story is that the developer of the game got the idea for coming back as as a, as like a ghost or whatever to help your friends out mm-hmm. because he was um, traveling home from work up a very steep hill. And, but and the spirit plane? Well, the snow kind of came down super, super hard. Okay. And so everyone on the hill got stuck. Okay. And so what they did was they all um, kind of snuck in behind each other and pushed each other all at once along up the hill. Like a single file. Yeah, all single file pushing each other. And so, and so none of them would have made it home unless they all helped each other out. Interesting. And so the idea is that if you can't make it, you help each other. Like, it was all about like community. But like in the darkest way possible. <laughs> and honestly, and it's a gameplay mechanic that mm. I genuinely feel is one of the best gameplay innovations we've had. Because again, that's another thing. Before yeah, that, that game, is very, there was there was none of that. People used to complain, admittedly I won't lie, people still complain about this aspect of it, but people would complain about how you came and talked to the people in the game world mm-hmm. because you're meant to be a silent helper. 
which to me was part of the charm. Yeah. I like the fact that I couldn't talk <laughs> to these people. They were literally spirits just kind of walking around pointing and doing stuff. It added an atmosphere to the game. I don't need to speak to everybody. Granted, also, I, I didn't need a guy call me racial slurs either over the stranger net. Oh, sure. But I mean, granted, I mean, these are spirits with like super cool gamer tag names like No Scope 420. And- oh, of course. <laughs> but I kind of, I blocked those names. I was like, look, I just want to hang out with yeah, the cool yeah, ghost person. So um, one of the games that would be in my tops of the last decade, but I decided not to pick because there's there's so many other ones I wanted to choose from was Hyperlight Drifter, which got which people called a souls like game in that as you would explore, like your health was limited, your items were limited, and just random enemies could just take you down if you were not ready for it. As it should and so I think that was the only thing about it that was souls like. Otherwise to me it felt like a hardcore Zelda. That's where that's honestly that's where a lot of the people use Souls like was. It was typically it was used in two different ways. It would be used in gameplay to like Code Vein was Souls-like. But then you have games that were just, this game is brutally hard. Yeah, Therefore, right. we'll call it Souls-like. You know, and so it's hard. You'd have to actually do some investigating or listen to more of the dialogue in the description to get what they refer to when they say Souls-like. But it, it was still a decent designation, mm-hmm. though I do know a few people that are extremely tired of hearing it. I mean, I know, I know. There's... there's- People, people who 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 write about games and who play a lot of games, more games than I do, are probably annoyed with it. You could just call them very difficult games. Yeah, just hard hard stuff. Yeah, we call it the hard stuff. Are you into the hard stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. whiskey, rum, Dark Souls. Yeah, put it in my <laughs> cup. Yeah, man, we got a party last night. I drank too much whiskey. I drank too much Dark Souls. I did way too much Dark. Souls. I did way too much Dark Souls. All right, so my first uh, track is from uh, a game. That came out at the end of the previous decade. Okay. And then the final version of it came out at the beginning of the last decade. And that mm-hmm. was Street Fighter 4. So it was Ultra Street Fighter 4. Um, it had a few new characters at the very, very end. It was the um it was one of the one of Bison's like dolls characters. It was essentially a co- like a like a color swap of Cammy. Okay. And her name was DiCapri. I remember her. She had the weird mask. She had like a weird mask and stuff, but she was a charge character. She was actually really fun to play. It was like playing Cammy, like mixed with Guile, which is really cool. I'm really surprised you picked four over five. You know what? Because I played so much more four. Four Street Fighter Four is the game that brought me back into fighting games and well, and, save the talk for when the game music it. is oh, playing. This game, the music is great. I, I love all of the late late um the, i guess the later versions of street fighter 4 music so this is theme of DiCaprio composed by hideyuki fukasawa
This is the theme of DiCaprio from the game Ultra Street Fighter 4, composed by Hideyuki Fukasawa. Does she have ice moves or something? No, she had um, a like a like a glove that had like this big like metaphysical spike that came out of her hand. Okay. It was called the Stinger. I'm gonna sting him. Because it stings. <laughs> had a really, it was a really good anti-air move. So yeah, I had to pick Street Fighter 4 because I was still playing it up until the very, very end. And, and it was so frustrating because like, I mean... It's also why you bought an Xbox and actually bought a modern game console. It's why I bought the... Yeah, it's why I bought the Xbox. It's why I bought the PS4. It was like to play the newest Street Fighter 5. Which nothing... I think nothing is, is holding up to how Street Fighter 4 was competitively. I even bought Street Fighter 4 back then, and that was unprecedented because yeah. I just didn't play Street Fighter at all. Well, when it first came out, like, everyone had it. It was, like, in the heyday of Xbox Live, and everybody was online, and people were unlocking characters. And like, I got Sakura, and I got... I just whoever. used Crimson Viper and never stopped. Yeah. Well, the original characters were fun. Like, you, they, for some reason, they're not coming back. Like, Crimson Viper's not coming back. Oh, a jury came back. But, like, Abel's not coming back. It's weird. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what they're thinking. People, I guess they weren't that popular. But anyway, Street Fighter 4 on the um, Xbox Live, it brought Street Fighter into the world of online play, mm-hmm. and it really brought out uh, competitive gaming, and it brought out my competitive side up until the very, very end when the last version of this game, Ultra Street Fighter 4, came out, and that was like every character, every stage. Plus ev- DiCaprio, right? Yeah, plus it had DiCaprio, and I think one of the last characters was Elena from uh, Third Strike. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, it was good. I, I mean, I never got that great with any of the final characters because I, I had to stick with just my core, my core group, my core group of fighters. It's interesting in the sense too, also mm-hmm. that I feel like when the during the PS3, Xbox 360 era, fighting games started to make quite a big comeback, and there was a variety of different fighting games yeah. that made to hit the scene. But you primarily stuck with Street Fighter. I feel like I had to focus because I was I was either going to get good at one or bad at all of them. That makes sense. <laughs> Now it's like I have to stay bad at one. <laughs> um, uh, no, so what was I going to say? The um, yeah, I, I love I love how how this really pulled me back in. That's oh, right. I was going to say. So when Street Fighter Two was first hit the arcades, it like it it became so popular that all these other companies made their own fighting games to kind of emulate it. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of same thing kind of happened with Street Fighter Four. It was so popular online, like you like it really got people interested in fighting games again. It woke companies up to start producing. Because yeah. don't get me wrong, like, there was, there was still like the Guilty Gears and stuff, but I don't think they were being produced as frequently. No, no, no. And they definitely weren't really packing online play. No, and then like with all the tournaments and with the rise of esports now, like we're seeing more of them come back to like all the anime games, like uh, what's it called? Um, Rebirth. No. Oh God! Funny you made the reference. Cause I was gonna All say those... someone had these really dumb names like Undertale and Unbirth. Yeah, Undertale I... under what was it? Undernight Inbirth. There under, it is. Yeah, Undernight Inbirth. They just yeah, it's crazy. But like the reason I think esports is cool only because of fighting games. I I can't get into Starcraft. I can't get into Overwatch. But I can watch a fighting game even if I don't understand the game. I like puzzle games. Like I'll watch Tekken. And I don't understand what well, all the ins and outs of Tekken, but I can I can see these two characters beat each other up, and two people like all get all you know, you know, they're on joysticks. They're playing. They're playing an arcade game. I get it. I it, understand that. Rocket League get behind that. 26. Rocket League, I understand, but I can't follow it. <laughs> I'm the same way. Like, but at the same time, I feel like Rocket yeah. League works well 
as an esport because it's very similar to like traditional sports how you have a team of cars versus a team of soccer players <laughs> well, cars passing the ball to other car i think the cars are going to beat the soccer players most likely <laughs> unless unless but um but yeah like fighting games i can keep up with those fairly well even though i'm also not typically good at them but it allows me to actually live vicariously to these other people and see what characters that i think are cool yeah it allows me to see what they're capable of, what their potential is, right? Actually, under in the hands of a skilled player. Yeah, my, my my playing Ryu is nowhere near like Daigo Umahara playing Ryu. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's the same characters, the same game, but like that is a, a next level, like uh, control. You know, so but I would love to start seeing yeah. some Puyo Puyo yes. esports championships. I'd ask yes, 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 crack my knuckles and get back in the ring if that happened. I think there, I think that was like supposed to be a thing, right? Puyo Puyo is they were pushing for it at yeah. one point. Sega even released in the quote unquote esports version called mm-hmm. Puyo Puyo Champions, mm-hmm. and their hope was that that was going to be the thing that they would use to spear spear themselves into the esports circle. I'm not sure how well it did though. I would, admittedly, I haven't heard anything about it. Sure, like Evo. Love, so yeah, like, I would love to see puzzle games like get real big into esports somehow. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think it is, but if it did, I'd be an avid esports watcher. Yeah, me too. It could be people people like the shooty games. And I don't think it's ever going to change. I still mentally live in a dream world mm-hmm. where world global disputes are settled with video game tournaments. Oh, have you ever seen the um the show is called Video Game High School? No. It, it's it's a world where instead of sports, it's video games. And so like the jock football players uh-huh. are actually just like Counter-Strike players. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, it's it's a really silly, dumb show, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I'll have to check it out yeah. at some point. Yeah, look it up. It's it's You'll get hooked. It's real short. It's real short. It's the guy, the guy who made um, Rocket Jump, isn't it? I don't even know what that is. So there you go. You'll, you'll recognize it. <laughs> you'll recognize it. All right, so what's your next track? All right, my second track is going to be, an, again, another game that stalwart listeners would know of me liking. But I'm going to play a track from it anyway. Absolutely. That game is called Dungeon of the Endless, and the title of the track oh. is called Celluloid, and it's composed by Fly by No, whatever that is. I think it's like Fly, by, name. fly by Number, but that might that makes more like sense fly than by Fly by No. Fly by No. Thank you. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Celluloid from the game Dungeon of the Endless, composed by Fly by No or Fly by Number. We're not quite certain. Um, originally released October 27, 2014, but I didn't get exposed to it until it got released on Xbox One on March 16, 2016. Now, Dungeon of the Endless came out mm-hmm. at a time where I was kind of in a rough spot too, but uh, in a funk, a little funk, definitely in a funk, a funk funky. And the way I was able to get down with this game, the reason why it worked for me was because one, it was recommended to me by listener Matt who suggested as a game worth checking out. We could play it as co-op. Friend yep. friend Matt. Friend Matt. Friend. That's his full name. Friend Matt. Friend Matt. And then the other reason why it took off for me was specifically because it was a game I would only play with friends. Like I didn't even play this alone, which is why I was able to enjoy it. If I'm hanging out with friends and getting myself out of my little pothole, mm-hmm. it's easy to boot the game up, converse, and play. So that's one element to it. But... The gameplay as a whole is a solid hook. It is part dungeon crawler, part roguelike, mm. part tower defense. It does all of those things exceptionally well with a spectacular coat of humor across the relics you find throughout the dungeons. It's good. It's important to have. How How is it multiplayer? Is it, is, it, is it multiplayer or is it just like good with friends? It's multiplayer. Ooh. Like, even if you're playing alone, you'll be just controlling a bunch of different characters by yourself. But when you're playing with friends, you have unfortunate moments that could occur like a person opening the door when they shouldn't and you're not prepared and monsters come flooding in. <laughs> like, why'd you do that? It's like, well, I got greedy and I wanted all the treasure. That's what I usually would be the guy saying. I was the greedy one. But, uh, <laughs> but blaming everybody else. Oh, no, no, no. I took, I took fault in that game. I had no shame it in it. It sounds like Gauntlet. In that, in that sense. It, it was a fantastic game. And I, to this day, I've been trying to convince my friend Sherwin to pick it up and play this with me, but he won't drop the cash on the Xbox One version or the Xbox One version of it. Oh, uh, so you, to, to, to play together. This yeah. is on the, the this is on across all, uh, multiple consoles, I'm assuming, right? It's on PS, yeah. it's on Xbox One. There was talk of a Switch version, but it never happened. And then there was, you know, Steam, of course. Uh, but it's just... It hits all the right notes, and then the music yeah. is all ambient, which doesn't typically click for mm-hmm. me. Like, don't get me wrong; it's not that I dislike ambient music. It's just that I never, I rarely find it memorable because this whole purpose is to blend in, not to stand out. Right. But this track and one I picked a couple years back, this this kind of stands out. That's 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 yeah, my point, yeah, though. Like, right. it, to me, this does stand. Out. It's mm-hmm. ambient. But it also stands out very well. It's got a distinct sound to it. When I had to pick a track for this episode, it immediately came to mind. I didn't know the name of it at the time, but <laughs> I had to find like, it. this is the track I want. I, I, I love I love the soundtrack now because I listened to a lot of it for the ambient uh, mixtape mm-hmm. that hap- that I released at the beginning of the year. So um, definitely check that out. It's on our YouTube page as well. Um, it's I, I, I really enjoyed putting it together. I, I did little blurbs um, at the beginning of each track. But I love I love this last section of this song right here. It's so good. I, I don't know. It's something about these chords that it's, come through. It's, it's it's haunting yet also somehow soothing. Yeah. I don't know how that works. This is amazing that your first two tracks are both kind of atmospheric. Yeah. In, but in different ways. So yeah, so it's haunting and a bit of relieving at the end of here, but then the last chord is major. And I want to, I want to, I want to listen to that one more time because it really, it surprised me 
I, I could see the track was going to end, but I didn't think it was going to end like this. It almost sounds like religious. <laughs> you know, it's something you hear in a church. Oh, I love that. That's I, when you die. I love that it ends on that major chord. I, it's cool. I like it. And like, it's, like a, it's like a triad or something. It's really nice. It's just a, mm. it's just a solid OST to a fantastic game. And the biggest thing about this and why it's worth bringing up as one of my games of the decade is because, worth pointing out, while I'm sure a lot of listeners outside of the show have never heard of this game or the was it Endless Space franchise of games that this is a part of, mm. one thing I can say about this game is that as big releases drop every year and we have our game of the year awards and they note this game is the game of the year on this system blah 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 blah, blah. they all are just very spectacular versions of things we've already done like they don't truly stand out sometimes because like a year or two later they'll be dropped or nearly forgotten for the next big thing that plays exactly like it mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. for me personally though though not only is this game very unique in how it plays to the point where I can't think of another game that plays exactly like this, mm-hmm. but I played it in 2016. <laughs> I have played hundreds of games since then, and I still want to go back to this game whenever I can to play it with my friends without a drop. If Matt called me today and said, we want to play Dungeon Endless tonight, and I had no, I wasn't busy, I'm like, let's get it in. Let's do it. Nice. I'll pick my same character, Sarah, the freaking like speedy bounty hunter with a sword. I would throw down today on this game. I can't say that about a lot of games, mm. but this one I can. I like that. It hits the notes that makes this definitely decade game worthy. Mm. You know what game I can play all the time? Street Fighter. No. Final uh, Fantasy. Enter the Gungeon. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've talked about this game so much on the show. Um, it's it's a roguelike, it's a bullet hell, it's a twin stick shooter, it's everything. It's everything you would want, anything you want it to be, it's in there somehow. It's somehow in there. And it's got tons of humor, it's got some really great music. The, the music, when it first came out, was excellent. Mm-hmm. But it was all kind of in the background, didn't really have a lot of heavy themes, not a lot of heavy melodies. But then the final version of the game came out. The uh, one that recently came with, the, with that marauder guy or the right, the desperado in the, the desperado um a farewell to arms and with that came a whole mess of new tracks all of the npcs you find in the dungeon they all have their own music like theme songs now and really incredible so this is the paradox lich theme which is the the final 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 boss not just the lich the paradox lich so you have to go through as through a, a time paradox, which is playing through the game twice in a row. Weird. But get, you have to beat the game the first time. Yes. To Do you have it, to get the true ending or just any I, ending? Uh, if you get the true ending, going through a paradox. I'll talk a little bit more when we come back, but this is uh, composed by Dose One.
<laughs> yes, that was that was the um, that was the paradox lich from Enter the Gungeon, a farewell to arms composed by Dose One. I'm gonna have to do a little bit of um, fancy footwork here to get the uh, the track to loop okay. But don't forget hot hot. So it's the lich theme, but glitched out. So I was going to ask, like, does the lich, the basic normal lich, have a theme that's similar but different to this? Yeah, it's a lot like that, which sounds a lot like the original, like, usual boss theme that you would hear throughout the game. But it's it's a bit more epic, has more horns and stuff, and this has like weird lyrics that no one's able to decipher. Um, and I think it's because it's all glitched out. So hot, hot. throughout the farewell to arms, you can find these like pools of they look like mirrors or something. It looks strange, but if you go across it and hit a button, your character glows. And now you're in a paradox state. And if you complete the game, you create a time paradox and you have to go through it again. And then the lich at the very, very end of the game is all glitched out and crazy. It's interesting yeah, how it's you wild. describe this game. Absolutely because wild. We were talking, not this was off episode now I think about it, but <laughs> we were talking about dance games and how they've evolved over the years to just be like so difficult that they <laughs> Pretty much require you to do something that back in the day people were like, "No, don't do that." Now exactly, like you yeah. kind of have no <laughs> choice. You have to hold the bar and swish feet around. Like they keep raising the bar. Yes, <laughs> pun intended. Um, they keep raising the bar to match the difficulty that players continue to reach. Mm-hmm. And Gungeon is a good example of that style of development where the oh, game yeah. came out as a difficult game, and folks rose up to the challenge. Completed it, patted themselves on the back, and the developer said, "Hey, I got something for that." They come up with another version now with you know glitched bosses or yeah, run through the whole game shoot every, backwards to every unlock update, something. Every update they released had like, "Oh, this is a new thing," but you're probably never going to see it because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's it's you got to beat the game this way and that way. So the only thing I'm going to say about this game now before we move on to our next track is um, it was this past year Michael Bridgewater. Um, on my recommendation, thought he would try it out. Really? And he was like, he and he kept like texting me out of the blue over Facebook, like being like, "Oh my god, this is so hard! Oh, this is so cool! I just found this thing. Did he know you could do that?" And then like a week later, Rob, Rob, I just beat one of the bosses. Rob, I just finished one of the characters. And then a week later, wait, he beat the game? And then a week later, Rob, I beat the Lich. <laughs> really? <laughs> At that point, I was like, "All right, all right, all right. whoa, 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 can whoa! Can you believe? No, 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 no. hold that." You're yeah. telling me, yeah, Michael Bridgewater, yeah, is a true gamer. Yes, no, Come on. I knew that. <laughs> you knew I, that. <laughs> I, Michael Bridgewater beat this game, like yes. got a full ending, full ending. And I'm sad because I never took him to be like one for bullet hell game, and I certainly didn't take him for one that would play a game like this mm-hmm. and go, "I'm going to keep at it until I win." Because this game is merciless. It's merciless. It is. Absolutely. I need to go back and play this now. Now. I'm it takes. Do you tell you the character he used? I he used the um, the marine, space marine. Oh, it cool. takes an incredible amount of concentration. 
and dedication to get that far. Mm. So, yeah. I think the first I ever got was the fourth floor, and that felt like a fluke. Yeah, there are two different bosses you can face in the fourth floor. If, if there's, if it's it was one, a monster that made the room dark. Yes. Oh, I guess there's three bosses on the fourth floor. Yeah, this crib is really creepy, yeah, too. There's the wall monster, and then there's the, the, the pillars, which is four pillars that run around. That thing is so RNG, uh, it's randomly running around, I can't beat it. <laughs> That's not what RNG stands for. That's yeah, what, yeah random. R, randomly, and running, <laughs> G, well, it's around. A, it's, it's, it's super random, uh, but the wall, I, I, can do, I can do no hit because it's, it's predictable. Is it in any way a parody or a homage to the Final Fantasy IV wall boss? I don't know that boss. So Is probably. it a monster sticking out of the wall like his arms are out in some way? Because the Final Fantasy IV boss was literally just a monster who was a part oh. of the wall whose arms were out with claws and his face kind of hung out of no, it too. No, it does not like that. But in the end of Final Fantasy X, there is um, uh, a hidden area. I, th I think it's in the... Um, uh, the what's that, that dungeon called? The Omega Ruins. Okay. And there is a there are enemies like that that are super difficult. That and are they just, have like the one hit kill press attack. Yeah, it's like it's like a super death or whatever. But like they're just they're just walls with like arms that are sticking out. It's like kind of that's silly pretty cool. Looking. I guess that is that yeah, was definitely back, homage yeah. to it. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, so that that's all I want to get into this. I, I I'm picking from games that over the last ten years I've spent the probably the most amount of time playing. Mm -hmm. um, and these these past two games I've I have really invested a lot of my my game time into because because they're just enjoyable and that's why i really i don't know if it's going to play out that way but i really would like for listeners like the patreon listeners heck even non-patreons for this one just give us the reasons their, their games because the reasonings for top games of the year especially a decade or greater mm -hmm. The reasonings vary all over the place. You'll get a cat who's like, why is this your game? Like, what, have you ever played it? Well, no, not really per se. I never played it, but my cousin's sister was <laughs> playing it, and I walked in, and the artwork that was portrayed on the screen, displayed on the screen, just drew me in. It was so beautiful that I never forgot it. Why didn't you play it? Well, I, well, I, I could that. go out and be like, oh, yeah, Breath of the Wild was probably, but I don't know, I never played it. So, yeah. yeah, but somehow I could, I could see someone outright seriously saying that Breath of the Wild is one of their games of the decade, but also having never played it. I could totally see someone doing it. It's like, it would be interesting just to hear what other people's rationale mm -hmm. is for choosing their games sure. that they do. All right, so what's your final? This is it. This is your last one. Well, no more. Maybe. The decade's over. That's it. Maybe. <laughs> Might be one more. You never know. Oh, there could be. Well, couldn't do games of the decade without putting this bad boy on the Let's list. Hear it. So this comes from the game Persona 5. Ah, knew and, it. And the track <laughs> title is called Price. And the composer is Shoji Meguro.
Welcome back. You're listening to the theme, the track Price from the game Persona 5 for the PlayStation 4, composed by Shoji Meguro and released in the States on April the 4th, 2017. This track in this game are fantastic to me. They stand out in such a way. So just to throw some pump. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying this very much. This is a great song. This is the third so dungeon good. of the game, mm. and it's still, honestly, after having beaten the game, it's my favorite dungeon in the entire game. And I think the theme is the best there because they're all the, the characters are phantom thieves. They steal hearts. But this is the only dungeon that takes place in an actual bank. Like, you're robbing a bank. Oh, cool. So there's something kind of cool about oh. thieves robbing a bank. And even that's though probably why probably there's like the guitar and like the drums. Mm-hmm. It all fits really well. That's cool. They did a great job with yeah. this dungeon. So... Why is this in my games of the decade? Well, for one, despite the fact that the die the overly serious Megaton fan base loves to try to talk trash about this game, nah. you can't knock numbers and you can't knock the true quality of the game. The game sold like gangbusters and it deserved to because it is a phenomenal title. We were waiting if you were a Persona fan before this game. You were waiting a very long time for this thing to come out. Persona mm. 4 had come out in 2008, I believe. And we were waiting all this time for this game. In the middle, we got Catherine, which was actually... It was a puzzle game, but it was actually like a prototype for the... For the... What is it? The freaking... The game... The model, basically, that eventually became... Okay. The engine. There we the, go. The game engine. So. Half, half a I always wonder whether they did this have a similar... Appearance. Mm-hmm. That was the prototype for what became the engine used in Persona 5. Interesting. So we were waiting a while, and thankfully the game genuinely did not disappoint. But also, in addition to all those things, Persona 5 had a thing that I don't know how to describe it. It took me out of a slump that I was dealing with for like a good year and a half. Well, not year and a half. It was more like a year and a month. But anyway, point is, it pulled me out of a slump of gaming that I was kind of stuck in where I just didn't feel really motivated to play anything. Like, Dungeons and the Endless aside, or games I play specifically with my friends, mm. I didn't have the heart to really sit down and say, I'm going to play this game right now. I was kind of dead to the whole hobby. Yeah. And Persona 5 was something I was anticipating for a long time. And when it finally came out, I had I was like, I'm going to buy it. I have to buy it. But then I was like, I don't really want to play it. I just don't feel it. So, so what ended up happening yeah. one day was I was cooking dinner and thought, yeah, I should at least see what the intro is like. You know, just kind of put the disc in or whatever. And then I played for like 10 hours straight. <laughs> I went to bed at like 3 I, or 4 in the morning I and remem- woke up or late for work. Yeah, I remember that day. You were exhausted. You were mm. so tired because you just you were nonstop playing this. Yes. And then I just mm. kept playing it. Like I, would, it was, I hit that cycle that very rarely happens for me anymore where I go to work, come home, get my affairs in order, and immediately play this game. And I would play it until I had to go to bed, and I'd repeat it until the game was over. Like, I was skipping social obligations because I wanted to see what happens next wow. in this game. And I ended up playing 150 hours, and what was it? Let me see. It came out in, like I said, came out in April. I beat the game the second week of March. So I put 150 hours into the game between April 4th and the second week of May. Think about that for a minute. That's oh, but, a lot of time. Like I said, March. In May. In May. Between April and May. Yes. Wow. So that's, you figure, it's not that much time. 24 <laughs> hours a day over 
six weeks, I guess. Yeah. I basically was chunking it any hour I could put into this game, and I wrecked it. I can't think of another game I put this kind of time into gleefully. The second to last dungeon of the game. Actually, the last dungeon we really laid on the table because the freaking mementos wasn't a real dungeon. Anyway, the second to last dungeon, I did the entire thing in one sitting thinking that I want to see how the final fight in the dungeon is going to play out. It can't be that long. I started doing the dungeon at 9 p.m. one night. Didn't stop. I didn't finish it until 7, either 6 or 7 a.m. the next day. <laughs> so I didn't stop playing. <laughs> you start so late. <laughs> I thought the dungeon would be fast. It just kept going. Though. And oh, I also, man. and for those who are like, why would it take you that freaking long? Well, don't get me wrong. I'm sure I went to the bathroom a few times there oh, or went well. got to go to the kitchen. But in addition, I was playing on hard mode. And I fought every battle. Like, I didn't run from any enemies. Oh, yeah. So, I would I would do that. I would do that. I'd be like, ah, I'm just going to start running through. The, the experience. Because <laughs> I never... Because typically, the way I play the games is I try to do every dungeon on one run. I never leave and come back. Yeah, that's what I was doing with um, way back when on Persona 3, mm-hmm. was I would go into the, the dungeon world, and then I would just go until I would die. And then at that point, I realized... It was only until I would get a game over that I knew I'd have to go back and level up and then do it again. Mm-hmm. And I would just do that over and over and over again because it was fun just to like see how far I could get before I had to start grinding. Yeah, and, yeah. and to me, like I know there's two schools of thought, but so there's just... no real wrong choice here. So for those who are listening, I'm not disparaging anybody's play style, but there's two styles of play here. There's the grind mentality. And the grind yeah. mentality is solely like a power fantasy. You come in... You beat up rats for 10 hours, and then every adversary in the game becomes a joke to you. Right. What's your difficulty you're playing? Me, I'm the other end of the spectrum. I like to push forward with as much, with as little grinding and as much effort as possible. Mm. I want to fight the hardest with the least. Yeah. I don't know why that is. <laughs> it's like you're training, you feel like you're training smarter and not just harder. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That I makes, like that. Yeah. go with it. That's like, interesting. I, I like that, they, that these games give you that kind of freedom to play how you want. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Now, I'll admit there are certain games where I make an exception. That's usually games where, usually games that have like class systems because if you have class systems, there's all these different trees you can get skills from and now you want to experiment. What does this do? Now, what does this do? So now mm. all of a sudden, the grind is less about becoming superpowered. It's more about I want to see all this has to offer and I can only do that by grinding. If I just play through the game, mm-hmm. I'll miss so much content. So that's when I usually make the exception. But otherwise, oh, I'm plowing right through. Knock it out. So, but Persona 5... is the game I still need to play. Yes, you, you're never gonna, <laughs> but no, you really should. 2020. This is the year I think about it. Really, really good. As, the, as I'm playing very little, this should be your being like... Persona 5 Royal comes out. Does that mean I have to play the first one? No, just play Royal. Save your money at this okay, point. So it's like, but then the reality is, you have don't wait until Royal's cheap all of a sudden because then you'll be right Ooh. back in the loop. You'll yeah, you can be right. cheap again. Yeah, but then you'll just never play that too. What's after Royal? Is it gonna be like pres- presidential? <laughs> well, is there anything above Royal like deity? Persona 5 deity? Yeah, it's it's Persona 5 your mother. <laughs> I don't know why. Persona so 5 Theism. Yeah, 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 that track ended. That was cool. Okay, so we, I'm gonna, I'm, my last track is from a game that really captured my imagination. It's Fez. The Fez? It's Fez. Um, it's so I interesting. Know, I forgot it did come out this decade. Yeah, it did. It was on, yeah, again, it was one of those Xbox Live things. Mm-hmm. Um, not a big story, 
but in a big world. It's all and about the exploration. It's all about that, yeah. Glitch. What were they? What were the things you were finding again? Cubes. Just cubes. Squares. Oh, I'm talking about with a weird <laughs> name. It's like no, you're literally just picking up squares. But uh, every time you find a new secret, it would open up a whole new place, and it would just it just got more and more interesting to me. And I just I just wanted to live in this world for just a little bit longer. So this is the game Fez, composed by Disasterpiece, and this What's is a this? track called Puzzle. Ooh. There you go. Puzzle. Puzzle Cube. Puzzle Cube. You're listening to, well, what you you were listening to, and then I deleted it. Pernell doing his Bobby McFerrin impression. <laughs> I, I don't think he meant to be making I, those noises with his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> this is the track "Puzzle" from the game Fez, composed by Disasterpiece. And you can totally tell it was Disasterpiece. Yeah, it has his sound all over. All over it. I mean, this this game is Disasterpiece. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, it's just it's a two D platformer that you can change perspectives to see the other side that you can't normally see. That opens up new platforms. But the the world of this game, I feel like when games have less story and there's less um, imagery and symbolism, it just makes you imagine it much more. You know, like your imagine runs you, more you wild. You fill in the pieces. You fill in the blanks. And it just, to me, it just felt like this world that was abandoned and you're just, and you're searching through all of these ruins and ancient texts and you're learning a new language at the same time. It made me sad, honestly, it's because amazing. this is one of those games where I did buy it because I like the concept of it, but I didn't stick with it because it hit that mark that comes at me with certain games where if I'm not gaining any new means of traversing the world or exploring it, 
I lose interest. Yeah. Like, I need to be able to have a character that grows as I progress in yeah, some way. Yeah, this character does the one thing. He runs and he jumps. And he looks that's around. two things. Looks around corners. But that's two things. But then that's three things. Three things. There's not, but there's nothing else. Until you beat the game, you get one more thing. <laughs> but that's it. Um, jumps harder. You can't die. You just keep coming back. So if you jump off a ledge, he'll just respawn on the corner? Yeah, you just come right back on the ledge. Um, and that's that's really it. There's, there's, there's one area that's all done up like red virtual boy style mm-hmm. where lava is coming up from the ground. That's the only danger air level. But even then you still can't lose. It's just, that's the only area of the world that's trying to kill you. Oh, cool. Um, it's really neat. Every, every section Would of this game. Would you say it's a Zen style game? Yes. Or, like obviously you have to do a lot of heavy thinking, but. Yeah, I, I, have, I have a notebook full of like charts and maps and um, like there are clues on like different ends of the world that give you an idea of this means this letter and this means this number and you put it all together and you can discover what to do. I love doing stuff oh, like that. it's amazing. That. So I will admit, Absolutely amazing. in the few games where mm-hmm. I have been able to pull that off where the game required it, I suck at organizing the notes. <laughs> yeah. So I end up with just like pages of text I just scroll in the order of which I thought to write it. Yeah, I mean, mistakes have been made. <laughs> notes have been lost. Um, just for sure. But yeah, it's and, and there are some puzzles that were just so esoteric and, and I just I just wanted to see the end of the game that I just let it I, I ended up looking online for, for some of the puzzles. It's because I just wanted to see what would happen if I achieved everything. And the and the, 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 the fakey ending if you get all of the items is not that interesting. It's just cool colors. It's it's Wait, like you get a fake ending for getting everything? So if you win the game if you beat if you finish the the game and, and you unlock whatever it was but you don't get all of the cubes and like all of like the the negative cubes or whatever it is, like you you get a normal ending and then there's like a hidden ending, mm-hmm. but it's just more like flashy colors. Oh, it's nothing like really. It's not an eye opener, just an eye blinder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's fun getting there. And I accidentally hit a glitch on the way there. There's there's one area where there's a giant bell, and you have to ring it so many times to get a cube. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize if you just keep ringing it, it just keeps giving you cubes. Oh, so I could have st- I could have just sat at the, at the bell and just kept ringing it. So at the end of the game, I had like two more than I was supposed to have. <laughs> what did that affect the ending you got? No, that doesn't matter. It's just looking f- the 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 end can the wind conditions looking for um I guess less than or equal to a specific amount or actually greater than or equal to a specific amount. So okay. Um, so for those who are listening, just go hit the bell for two yeah, hours. Yeah, just hit the bell. The yeah, there's one. There's one puzzle that's a clock, and and there's three different hands on the clock. One goes by minutes, one goes by hours, and one goes by days. Oh, so no seconds. So once you figure it out, you realize that you have to come back to play the game on a specific day of the week at oh, a specific cool. time of day in order to, and that's the only time when that cube will appear and you can pick it up. Oh, cool. Yeah. Only when games did it. Mine was all out of whack, and it was going to be at the middle of the night. So I changed the time on my Xbox <laughs> to, to accommodate it. It was still it was still an interesting puzzle to figure out like when to set it. But um, yeah, I did. I guess I guess you could say that was a cheat. Takes me back to the days when I was trying to catch Lady in, or rather Ladybug and Pokemon Gold and Silver way back in the day. You had to be up at like five thirty in the morning to oh, catch God. it at the park. And I was like, well, I guess I better set my alarm specifically to catch a Ladybug and then go back to bed. <laughs> Could you change the uh, the clock on the, no, on the thing? No, I oh. woke up at 5 a.m., caught that ladybug, and went back to bed. Nice. Got that ladybug, though. That's right. <laughs> and then it became a mediocre Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, but it meant more to you. 
right? Oh, I took it to the end of the game, so mediocre or not, I made that bad boy work. That's something I love, I love about po- Pokemon. Like they could be mediocre, they might not be that great, but you put you put the time and love into it, mm-hmm. and so they stick with you. Yeah, my Psyduck was never going to be great, but man, he took me to the Elite Four. Right? Oh, you him, didn't no, no. evolve him. I took him to the Elite Four, and of course not. Staying Psyduck I, forever. I, I felt so bad that I evolved Pikachu because I didn't. Uh, this Raichu is, looked really dopey. Well, I mean, like this is like okay, Pokemon had just first come out. I didn't know much about it. The internet really wasn't revealing all of its secrets at the time so I was like oh I'm supposed to evolve Pokemon I'll evolve my Pikachu and then it turned into Raichu and I felt real sad didn't learn any more moves he just was a fat lump of electricity where's my electric rat I lost my electric rat friend oh you didn't lose him you just became an electric rat he was an Uh, electric mouse I like who he was you like the mouse I like the mouse weren't a big fan of the rat I guess not (laughs) All right, so now we're going to turn this track down, and we're going to get into the part of the show that we call the bonus round. Bonus round. Bonus. Is that the is that right, you? Yeah, no, it was Bono. Bono. Yeah, it was Bono. It was Bono. It was Bono. Bono Roundo. The hippie Pokemon. Ooh, I like that. Does it smell like patchouli? Covered in hemp. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, yes. <laughs> Anyway, the bonus round is where we play uh, remixes and covers on our theme. Uh, per now, I, I have a cover, or I have a, a an arrangement. Do you have one? Yep. Awesome. And I'm glad to find the one that I did because it's very perfect, and I want, I'm glad to put this person back on the show. Oh, who is it? So we'll, we'll get to it. Tell them. me I'm, I'm dying. I'm dying. So I'm the, dying. <laughs> so within the theme of the actual episode, this remix comes from another of my favorite games of the decade. That game is called, of course, if you've been listening to the show, you'll know, La Mulana. Right. It released originally on, basically on Steam. Well, the old, old version was way back before I even knew it existed. You played this game like I played Fez. Yes. You just got stuck in it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I ended up playing it when it got released as the remake version on Steam, and that came out on April 13th, 2013, while I was recovering from gallbladder removal surgery. That's right. Um, the track that I picked happens to be from longtime friend of me and Rob, and actually the show, um, Austin, a.k.a. Waz D. Hey! His track is a medley that he titled Monumental Subterranean Exploration. <laughs> it is a banger of a track. I love the game. I love his composition of it, and I look forward to having it shared with all of you. So all right. is, it, is this as WASD or is it as Austin? WASD. A WASD.
Ooh, that's good. Love that track because he's a man <laughs> with the rocks. He's really good with guitar. He is a master at guitar. I see. He might kill me for calling him a master. He's very a little he's, bit too much, but he's ridiculously good at he, what he does. Super good. Super super darn good. You Always listen, impressed. Always impressed every time I hear his work. You're here to that. Yeah. What was that work? Monumental subterranean exploration. His medley rendition from La Mulana. He being Waz D. Austin. I don't want to say his last name. Just, yeah, it's, it's public. Austin Green. So, <laughs> well, aside from the fact that I wanted to put this track on the show because, oh, God, it's good. Why La Mulana? Well, La Mulana I can't think of too many games I've purchased as many times as I've purchased La Mulana <laughs> because I I wanted to support it in yeah. every version I possibly could. I bought it on Steam. I bought it on the Wii. I bought it digitally on Vita. Then I bought the limited run games version on the Vita. And then I'm getting the La Mulana 1 and 2 release that's coming to the Switch this year. I already pre-ordered it. Yeah, I mean, you got to switch out. You're going to play La Mulana. That's right. Yeah, got to get it in. Like I, I adore this game. It is absurdly difficult, both in gameplay, but also in the puzzles. Yeah, the puzzles. Rob was earlier talking about um, how he was taking notes to play Fez. Had to keep track of things and clues. La Mulata does that to you. To me, this game is the perfect version of a game intending to give you the feeling of being Indiana Jones exploring yeah. a Metroidvania constructed <laughs> ruin because everything's not laid out for you. The puzzles are not simplistic at all. They're very convoluted and complicated. Mm. The original version of this game, people were playing it in tandem on the internet and then gone to like, what was it? What was the thing that was before forums? Message boards. Oh, People were going to message boards and talking to try to come up with solutions to the puzzles. They had to work together to do it because no one person was able to solve it all by themselves. Nice. This game hits you in that way that no other Metroidvania-type game has ever been able to do. No other exploration game, maybe outside of like Mist or Riven, could do that. It's I adore it. And the music is phenomenal. The graphics are fantastic. There's even humor in it. It's just... It's genuine quality. Yeah, I, it's I, a, just timeless for me. I was waiting for this game to show up in your list. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was like, it has to show up. It has to. I mean, we're we're boiling everything down to like four games, but it has to show up. And of course, it doesn't hurt that again. I was recovering from gallbladder surgery, stuck in my apartment, <laughs> and while this game was being played, it's almost like I didn't feel any pain at all. I was playing this one and Shin Megami Tensei Four. That was those were my two recovery oh, yeah. titles. We played a lot of those. Both both of these titles, we played a lot of their music on the show. Mm-hmm. So my uh, bonus round track is coming from Shovel Knight. Oh, this is the Shovel Knight arranged album. The original music originally composed by you know who it is, Earthstriker, the Kaufberg, <laughs> the Kaufberg, um, Jake Kaufman, Vert, and this is arranged by Jeff Ball. There's a, there's a few arrangers on this whole oh, album. Jeff Ball. This is a Jeff Ball. This is Rough and Tumble. And yeah, this game for me, it's just so good. Like yes, it's, it, is. it is, it is platformer perfection. And the music is a huge reason why it's number one. You're here. It's number one for me. So this is Rough and Tumble from the Shovel Knight arranged album arranged by Jeff Ball. 
That bass was saying goodbye. Shovel bond. That was Rough and Tumble from Shovel Knight Strike the Earth, arranged, composed by Jake Kaufman and arranged by Jeff Ball. I love that. I love how fast it is. I love the violins. There were there were bits of Strike the Earth in there, unless the Black Knight fight also has bits of Strike the Earth. I guess the sound I was hearing. I was I was hearing. Uh, a dun, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. That that's like the main theme of the game. But like the the album is called Strike the Earth. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a fantastic arranged album. A lot of it's like this. Some other, some electronic stuff, but it's mainly on like on the jazzy um, and orchestrated kind of symphonic side of things. Um, so yeah, I have to, I gotta put Shovel Knight in there because I played a lot of it when our condo was being renovated and I, we had to live in this tiny little apartment up in Media. I remember that. Yeah, it was like this one little room and it was so hot in the summertime. Um, and I downloaded this on the on the laptop and just started playing through it. <laughs> and it was just, I was like, wow, what am I missing out on? This is so good. Um, yeah, it was a good time. You're I, missing I mean, out on Shovel Justice. Shovel, I finished it. I didn't finish it well. But is there I a well? It. I don't know. I, I, I died a lot. Oh, uh, okay. And I missed out on a lot of like items and weapons and things. Well, I'm sure you got all the Chester items, though. I mean, I can't imagine missing any of those. Which ones? The Chester items, the stuff that Chester sells you when you find them in the chest. Oh, yeah, where he sells, yeah, but not all of them, no. Really? No, yeah, I don't think I got everything. It's and then, one per stage. And then, like, all of the, yeah, no. And then <laughs> all of, like, the, um, there's, like, uh, uh, the, you, can, you can get the music pieces. I don't think I got all the music pieces. I'm just not good at games, Pernell. Yeah, but the Chester pieces are, like, the equivalent of the Mega Man weapons in that game. Uh, to not get those feels like you're missing a uh, part of the I, game. I, I, I honestly feel like I didn't do it, but maybe I did. Maybe you're right. Maybe I am good. I can't imagine you playing through that game, beating it, and not going, I wonder what <laughs> extra weapon or item I could get from Chester oh, on this level that I missed it. And there's no way. So I fin- you played I, it a lot. I finished that game, and I was like, oh, that felt good. And then that was it. <laughs> oh, my. I can't. It's such a great ending. It was such a good final I boss. Even, I didn't even get to the ending, oh, and I got every item. It's beautiful. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, if you haven't played Shovel Knight, play Shovel Knight. Or give it a shot. Watch it on YouTube. Watch someone else play it. Never. It's, it's so much fun. I'd rather just play it through it again. Ah. I'm not going to watch someone else complete the game that I have on my Switch. I'm saying you can enjoy this game multiple ways. But I'm only going to enjoy it one way. <laughs> my way. The Purnell way. The Purnell way. The, the true. With ghost peppers. There, there is no true way, Purnell. There's only a Purnell way. And some other stuff. And the right way. <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> For more information on the bonus round, go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to their band camps and SoundClouds and everywhere you can get the music and support the artists. You know I'm just messing with you, right? No, you're not. <laughs> you know I really am. The Purnell way is the way. <laughs> that is the way. That's the way. Thanks for joining us on episode 21-5 right. of Rhythm and Pixels as our look back on the on the on our favorite games of the decade. It was surprisingly yeah. easier than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm sure there are a ton of games that could get thrown in my face and I'll go, oh yeah, in that game. But to me, the best way to play this out is that it's the games that stand out to you the most when I was, you reflect yeah, on the I decade. was totally expecting you to call me and be like, I need more time, Rob. I oh. need more time. Oh, no. If it got that bad, I would have just shot from the hip and been like, oh, Mega Man 11. I don't freak out. <laughs> you but, liked Mega Man 11, though, right? I did, but it ain't game of the decade, like. Mm. Not even close. If anything, I'd give a Mega Man fan game a closer 
I'd say Mega Man Unlimited is closer to the game of the decade than Mega Man 11 yeah, was. Yeah, the fans are making the Mega Mans that you want to play. That's right. right. That's true, right? Uh, but yeah, no, I, yeah, it was fun to go back and, and, and look at all the games that I really enjoyed over the past 10 years and think, wow, I did play some games. <laughs> I know some games. Those are, those are good stuff. And this track that's playing right now comes from a game called Lovers in the Dangerous Space Time. And when this originally came out, I was saying that between this and possibly Overcooked, I felt no need for any other like multiplayer gameplay titles because this was giving me everything I wanted at the time. Yeah, it was... It had all of the crazy chaos stuff going on, like mm-hmm. all those moments where everyone like works together all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. And that magic happens, and everybody's fending off all the aliens in tandem or getting the perfect order, kitchen order running through. It's just... This doesn't have... euphoric. This doesn't have a network play, right? It's all couch co-op? All couch co-op. Yeah, that would have to be. Yeah, which is both fortunate and unfortunate because I know... It'd be nice if I could just like get people around, like just friends from like out of state, just boot it up and play. But at the same time, there's something to be said about just sitting next to the person and yelling, "What the heck are you doing? Get on the cannons!" You know, they can see your frustration in your face. Just they have to feel that. They have to feel the frustration, the, the, the daggers from your eyes piercing into their skin, as they should be. That's right. Very painfully. You're very good at that. Oh yeah, judging. Yes, with my with my gaze. Judging my game skills. <laughs> Get better. You're like, you can always play Street Fighter, Pernell. I could. Rob, I'm not telling you get good. I'm telling you get better. <laughs> just just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little more bit. until you're great. <laughs> well, if you would like more information about our show and if you would like for Pernell to email you back and tell you to be better. <laughs> Send us an email. Pixels at hotmail.com. And if you want more information about our show, full track listings from all of our episodes and links to all the other cool stuff that we're doing and where you can find us, go to the website. Rhythmandpixels.com. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. Our YouTube page is youtube.com slash rhythmandpixels, which is, all again, all one word. We have a 24-7 uh, live stream radio thing going on of just 8-bit and 16-bit classics. And if you would uh, like to support the show, just tell people about it. Or, you know, hit the, there's like a, a, a like button on Apple Podcasts. Or Bake subscribe. Cake and put icing, spell rhythm and pixels out on top of it with icing. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, bake a cake, um, draw our faces onto it, bring it into work. Or a prison. Just make sure to leave the hacksaw inside the inside cake. Inside the cake. That's, see, that's a classic mistake. Yes. Just people leave it on top. And then that's just a problem. Yeah, people try to eat that. And that's not (laughs) good for you. (laughs) Um, Or you can also support us at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. You get access to a live streamed episode every month, which is happening next week. Actually, it would be... uh, It'll be Wednesday. Actually, it'll be the day this episode comes out. So, nope. It'll be tonight. (laughs) Which I just realized we'll we'll have to do another message or something. I make one little change... And my mom got scared. <laughs> no, I make one little change to the show format. And uh, anyway, um, but yeah, it'll be uh, this week. So we'll have uh, information about that on Facebook. You also get um, access to prequel episodes, where a day before the episodes come out on uh, on Patreon, uh, little little tidbits of me and Pernell chatting and sort of you know, getting getting together. Sometimes they're boring. Sometimes they're not boring. Some, sometimes they're about the episode. Sometimes they're about life. Sometimes they're about how to fit five melons inside of a bag. 
without <laughs> having to get a second bag at the grocery store right. because they don't do plastic anymore, which is good, but also challenging to adapt to. Yeah, you got you got to work at that. Mm-hmm. You got you to gotta get them get them guns, the arm muscles, guns to lift the melons. Oh yeah. I don't know where that was going. And um, anyway, uh, patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels. Get access to all that fun stuff, all those silly jokes. And we'd like to thank you all. This track is going insane in the background. It's great. <laughs> it is it? wild. Um, we like to give a shout out to all of our Patreon members at the end of every episode. We'd like to thank that Nick Walker, Mike Myers, a new Patreon member, Johan Perez, Andreas Milberg, Dan Loughton, Phantom Jest, Steve Miller, The Autistic Gamer 89. Cameron Worma, Christopher Shenstrom, Bobby Arson from One Up Funk, Wicked Sephiroth, OK Impala, Carlos Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, which we've got to have on the show soon. Yes, we do. Uh, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version podcast. Got Brian- him on soon. <laughs> What's that? Got to have him on. Got to have him on there. Uh, Brian Pitt, Chris Murray, Hammock. Hammock! Hammock from KVGM, The Last Wave, a chill, very chill, very groovy video game music podcast check them out absolutely check them out it's got a fantastic show we have bruce irons from the mad gear i feel like i need to just start submitting you know donating to his show because i want to get on that reel he does oh yeah yeah that's right it's gonna come up with a cool name for myself yeah join join the mad gears patreon i'm sure it's patreon.com slash the mad gear band brick structor the toughest band around uh, I want to thank Ed Wilson from the VG Embassy. I'll be, uh, I think I'll be guesting on a show in the next month or two. Ooh, what's the topic? It's going to be a blind listen. So I don't know. No one knows the game. We, ah. we just have the soundtrack. And we have to guess what it's going to be. Oh, that's pretty cool. So I'm excited about that. So that's happening very soon. I can't tell you exactly when that's coming out. Um, Alexander Proudfoot, Davy Cakes, The Dude, The Last Weekend, Bedroth, Kitsurito, another new uh, Patreon member. Solus Sanctuary, Mix Six Master, Damian Beckles, Joe Vasallo, Chris Tinerson, Alex the Messenger, Messenger. I still don't know that guy. And David Smith. Hi-o. How you doing, David? Thank you all very much for your continued support of the show and encouraging us to keep doing what we're doing, which is this. Being wacky. Being being podcast people. Being perfectly punctual and pert. Yeah, you're all you're all in our family. You're all in our circle. It gets complicated, though, when it's time to deal out Christmas presents. So it is. I just know that we don't do presents in this um, I mean, I'm not saying some of you act like children, but there's the kitty table, and there's only so much room. So some of you are going to have to sit at the kitty table. But on the positive, the kitty table, you're allowed to play board games and not look like a putz there. Yeah, you're allowed to eat with your fingers. That's right. Yeah, you get... But don't uh, get Cheeto dust all my stuff. <laughs> yeah, we do have problems with Cheeto dust. Thank you all very much. Thank you. You're always wonderful people, and we appreciate you. Um, and we'll see you next week at StacyCon '94. <laughs> I was looking for that episode on uh, on Disney Plus on the uh, for that Simpsons episode. I honestly wish I could remember uh, that too. I just know the sketch, but I don't remember what episode it was like. The number of, I think it might be the one where they released the new Malibu Stacy doll, or yeah. they went to the factory because Lisa, it was like it was at least Lisa Lionheart. I think that's what it was. I, it was like, yeah. wait, the number one Malibu Stacy fan in Springfield, Waylon Smithers. <laughs> and I'll see you. <laughs> Stacy Con 94. Anyway, thanks to everyone for listening. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. See you next week. And remember, be your best at best whenever you can. Because as corny as it may sound, you'd be surprised 
how many people you can find that you motivate or inspire just by being your wacky tacky self. So in some respects, it might be tough to do that. It might be a little tired. It might be a little frustrated. Things might be just bugging you. you. Never know what it is. But give your best to people. Don't, you don't have to see all the rough stuff. Because in the end, if it brings a positive change to others, then you're still in a way doing your part to assist those folks. Which in turn will also make you feel better. Which means just keep freaking doing it. Be inspirational. Don't be inspirational. Don't be perspirational. Yeah, that's just stinky. <laughs>